Welcome to The Real Spiel with Ryan and Kurt. Let's talk about commodity inventories. Uh, A lot of the recent inflation has been driven by higher commodity prices. There does seem to be optimism that inflation has peaked and inflation concerns do remain, but seem to be tapering. Uh, Inventories have always been a key part of Summer Haven's research and philosophy towards commodity markets. And when you look at current commodity inventories across the spectrum, from energy, metals, agriculture, they've all been depleted to low levels based on recent history. Kurt, can you talk about that and what that means for commodity markets going forward? Yeah. Hey, Ryan. Uh, great to reconnect. And I think that inventories are critical. When you think about fundamentals and equities, you think about dividends, you know, price to book or price to earnings, um, you know, other fundamental measures, you know, discounted cash flows. Fundamentals and bonds might be, you know, credit rating, duration, uh, coupon. And in the... Uh, in the case of commodities, we believe, and our research has shown, that, that the fundamental is inventory. Um, you know, commodity futures markets, specifically, are price insurance markets, where a hedger or producer is going short, typically. Uh, you know, it's a farmer selling his corn or a mining company selling their copper forward. And then the speculator or investor is going long. And they get paid, that investor or speculator gets paid a risk premium, an insurance premium, if you will, um, for wearing that price risk. The um, evidence is very strong that that risk premium, that compensation is higher when inventories are low on a, on a normalized basis. And it kind of makes sense because if inventories are really high and there's a change to supply or demand uh, where maybe demand goes up, supply goes down. It doesn't really matter because you've got plenty of corn in the silo or, you know, you've got, um, you know, copper in the warehouse and you can deliver from inventory and meet that new demand, uh, or, or supply short, you know, drawdown. If inventories are very low, then the only thing that can give is price. And, um, so it's a, it's a tends to be a more volatile market. And, um, that investor or speculator, uh, we believe gets paid more to wear that risk. So I think it's a very key, um, you know, element of price discovery in these commodity markets. And we're seeing for the first time, you know, inventories on a relatively low basis across a wide spectrum of commodities. That's unusual. Absolutely. And with inventories low, it does take different amounts of time to mine or grow or extract these different commodities. But let's take a look at metals as an example, Kurt. How quickly or slowly, should I say, uh, can we restock inventories? Sure. I I give a couple examples that I would mention. Um, You know, one is uh, there, there was a recent find in the last few weeks in northern Sweden of rare earth metals. It's the largest find in entirety of Europe that they've ever discovered. Um, and they do plan on permitting and extracting uh, these rare earth metals because they're critical for this renewable energy uh, uh, electric vehicle transformation that the world economy seems committed to, to growing through. Um, the mining company itself, who's likely to be tapped to extract and refine and then in the future, at some point, deliver these metals, has said they're looking at like roughly 10 years before any of that product can get, get to market. And that's typical for a mining company. Um, and, you know, copper, as an example, we're at very low levels of, of relative inventory. And that's been true for the last 10 months or so. And 
there's no shortcut in mining aluminum or rare earth metals or copper. You have to locate the the resource. You have to get permitting and environmental approvals. You then have to finance and build this multi-billion dollar mine. And, and then you have to put you know, hundreds or a thousand people in the ground to extract it and then refine it. So once you get behind and inventories are too low and demand starts to exceed supply, there's a long period of catch up. And I think it ties into our story before about super cycles and why do they persist and why do they last for so long? It's because when you're behind it takes a long time to catch up. Uh, and similarly, you know, in, you know, in crops, for example, you, you, if you're low on corn in March, you can't make more corn in April or in May. You got to wait for the harvest, which is typically around August, September. Um, you know, other commodities don't have a seasonality. I don't think of copper as having a seasonality to it, but it does take an extraordinarily long time to extract and refine new copper. And the reality is we're coming off a year of, or sorry, a decade of low prices. These mining companies were struggling to survive during the 2010s. They weren't expanding production. So the setup is quite interesting. One last story on copper. You know, I am grew up in Minnesota and in Northern Minnesota, they found the largest U.S. uh, uh uh, I guess resource amount of copper and nickel. Uh, it's this this find was was discovered and has been, um, you know, looked at as a potential source, a domestic source of copper. However, um, after years of attempting to get permitting, um, Minnesota itself declined uh, to move forward with the mine. And then, just in the last weeks, the Biden administration uh, put in place a federal moratorium for at least twenty years. And the reason is because it's located right next to a pristine uh, wilderness area called the Boundary Waters. And the thinking is we can't afford to pollute that. It, it destroys it for decades or centuries. And we're going to have to go find this copper somewhere else, either domestically or continue to import it from abroad. So I think there's a number of headwinds to getting supply back to where we need it. Uh, and And there's a demand story, too. I mean, I think... One of the things we've looked at, Ryan, is that China is reopening. You know, they've abandoned their zero COVID policy. Um, they're basically doing the approach that Europe and the U.S. did, which is get herd immunity, deal with the sick, um, and they can't afford any longer to severely restrict their, their economy. But we're going to see ongoing robust demand, I think, from China. And um, I, I think there's a number of reasons to think these low inventories will, will be a challenge um, to meet demand. Yeah. And, and on that demand story as well, you talked about the, you know, electric vehicle and ongoing kind of clean energy transition that, that we're going through. Metals are going to be a, a critical, um, input, uh, uh, into, into that transition. So in addition to metals, can you touch on any other examples where inventories have been de- uh, depleted? Sure. I mean, I think one that's, I think people would commonly understand, I mean, we saw, uh, something called the strategic petroleum reserve, um, it's a you know it's a store of of energy that the, the U S government can access in the event of a crisis, um, and uh, for for five years it was maintained at rank, around a level of six hundred fifty million barrels. It was steadily depleted in the six months leading up to the November election, um, and it's kind of at or below three hundred million barrels now. One would think that that six hundred fifty million dollar Sorry, 650 million barrel level 
you know, was the long run sort of stable level the government was hoping hoping to have on on hand. They're going to to recover that. There's nothing to do except, you know, buy it back in the market steadily over time. So those inventory levels, at least in the SPR, are quite low. Um, in, you know, grains and oil seeds, we're seeing it, it quite interesting that wheat and corn and soybeans are all below their prior year five, five you know, prior year level of storage uh, for the end of uh, the end of the year the end of 22, what we would normally expect to be stored in silos or in warehouses um, is at or below the prior five-year level for December. So we're coming into, you know, a few months from early planting and getting some USDA reports. But those those stocks, those inventory levels are very, very low um, across the spectrum of grains and oil seeds. And we're seeing it even in cotton, for example. It's hard to get data on some markets, for example, sugar, very difficult to get inventory data, but cotton, we have some good data from the USDA. And those are also, um, they've been below their normal period, you know, along each point of the month uh, for the last six months, uh, below their five-year average. So this is something in in the 15 years we've been at Summerhaven, we haven't seen this kind of inventory depletion across the, a wide set of commodities like this and it'll take a little while for it to to recover that's for sure it yes you got you got to grow the wheat you got to grow the corn you got to grow the soybeans extract the copper etc there's no shortcuts um uh we don't have hydraulic fracturing and horizontal drilling um as an innovation like we were able to use in energy made us energy independent we went from being energy importers to energy exporters for every, all of these other commodities, there's nothing to do but go through the hard work of extracting, refining, and growing. It takes time. Yep. Thanks, Kurt. And thank you all for dialing in this week. We'd love to hear your comments, questions, feedback, any topics that you'd like us to discuss. Uh, discuss. We can be reached at the real spiel at uscfinvestments.com. Thank you again, and we'll talk to you next week.